0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray with David Gregory. And I'm sure most of you listening heard our first episode a week ago. So thank you so much for coming back. You're in for another treat. David, we were talking last week about how most of us are, and not that we'll ever get there, but how most of us are barely touching the surface of realizing what all Christ did for us, what he accomplished in his finished work at the cross. And that's, as you mentioned, a big part of what you want to help people understand. So just take as much time as you want and tell us what you've seen, what that means to you, and how that affects you in your daily life.
1: Okay. Well, I mentioned last week that I've been working on a book for teens this summer, and the book is called God is for Teens. In it, I have sought to lay out just very clearly for a teen reader, although honestly, an adult could just as easily read it. It would mean the same thing to an adult. Everything that God promised into the new covenant. And so I have gone back to the passages in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, two main passages, to see what God promised his people in the old. Testament, what would happen when he established a new arrangement, a new covenant with people, not only the Jews, but with all the Gentiles as well. So in this new book, I've just very simply laid out, okay, what are the things that God has accomplished? And I liken them as an illustration to a Saturn V rocket, the rocket that the Apollo astronauts took to the moon. And the Saturn V rocket had three main stages, but the third stage They burned it twice. They fired the engines twice. So I treated that as four stages. And I think the new covenant really has four stages to, quote, get us to the moon, which is the objective. And the first stage is God's forgiveness. God promises that under the new covenant, he will remember our sins no more. And so the point is, we learn from the New Testament, Jesus has totally dealt with the sin issue between us and God. It is completely put to rest. There's nothing else we have to do to activate our forgiveness. It was activated at the cross. It is that issue. The sin issue is done away with between us and God. In Hebrews 9, it says Jesus came to put away sin. Well, that's what he accomplished. He put away sin. And so I don't have to deal with that with God anymore. That's like the first stage of the Saturn V rocket. It gets us off the ground. The second stage is he promises, I will cleanse you. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and cleanse you. And that happens to us at the new birth. The blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit wash us and cleanse us completely. And so not only are we completely forgiven, we are completely cleansed. And so whatever was dirty about who we are and so forth, God says, okay, I'm going to make you pure. You don't have to worry about ever being dirty again. I'm making you pure. It's a one-time thing. You don't have to redo it. And so that's like the second stage of the Saturn V rocket. It gets us up to over 100 miles up. The third stage of the Saturn V rocket, and the one that's most important in many ways under God's new arrangement with people, and that is in Ezekiel, he says, I'm going to do a heart transplant in you. This is in Ezekiel 36. He says, I'm going to take out your heart of stone, which is dead, unresponsive, cold, separated from God. He says I'm going to take out your heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh is warm, responsive, alive. And so that was his way of expressing in the Old Testament exactly what Jesus expresses in John chapter 3 where he says this, the Holy Spirit is going to birth a new spirit within us. The Holy Spirit literally births a new spirit within us. Paul calls it the new man, he calls the old heart the old man. And so we're not the same person we were before we came to faith in Christ. We are literally a new person, or as Paul says in Second Corinthians 5, a new creation. The old heart God takes out and it's done. It's not there anymore. And so we have a completely new heart. Well, why is that critical? We'll get to that in a minute. The fourth stage is they fire the rockets again and the spaceship goes to 25,000 miles an hour and heads toward the moon. God promises under his fourth stage, I'm going to write my law on your heart. And so he writes his new law on our heart. Now, uh, he writes his law on our new hearts. Is he talking about the Mosaic Law here? Well, one of the things he says about the new arrangement with humanity is, it's not going to be like my old arrangement. In other words, it's nothing like the Mosaic Law. So a good... Judge for us as to whether we're really operating the way that God wants us to operate is, am I operating under a system in which if I do things right, God is going to bless me? And if I don't do things right, he's not going to. If that's the way that we're approaching the Christian life, we're not approaching it the same way God is, because that's the old system. And God says, this isn't like the old system. I'm putting in a totally new system. And if you notice so far, one of the things that I emphasize in, in this new book for teens is everything under the God's new arrangement is a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. All we can do is receive it. Cleansing is a gift. All we can do is receive it. Our new heart is a gift. All we can do is receive it. His law written on our hearts is a gift. All we can do is receive it. So what does it mean that he writes his law on our hearts? Well, John says that Jesus gave only two commandments to us. He left us with two commandments to believe in him and to love one another. And that's God's law for us as believers. Hey, I want you to do two things. I want you to trust me. I want you to love one another. And so all of that prepares us to what in astronaut terms is getting to the moon. God has accomplished these four stages. And then we get to God's real destination, which is he comes to live in us. He says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. So the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. God the Father is God. All of them actually come to live within us. And that's God's end game, so to speak. That's what God planned to do with humanity all along. He says, I'm going to come live within you. I'm going to join my spirit to your spirit. I'm going to be one spirit with you, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. And once he has joined his spirit to our spirit and we are one with him, then he lives his life through us. As Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. My old man, that is, is dead. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And I live by faith in the Son of God, who's the one that's living in me. And so he wasn't denying that he was still alive. What he was saying is, hey, the one who's really living this life in me is Jesus. Because I don't have it within my power to live Jesus's life. But Jesus certainly has it within his power to live Jesus' life. And it should be no surprise at all that this is totally God's plan for humanity. Because if we read the Gospel of John, it's completely obvious this is the way Jesus himself was living. He was not, I mean, we see Jesus doing miracles and teaching people and, you know, healing people and so forth. And we think, well, of course, Jesus was God. Of course he was living that way. But that's not what he said about the way he was living. He said, hey, I hear from the Father, I receive life from the Father, and the works that you see me doing, it's actually just the Father doing his works through me. It's the Father living through me. And John said in First John, as Jesus is in the world, so also are we. In other words, we operate exactly the same way he did. And so he was the vessel through whom the Father's life flowed. We are the vessel through whom Jesus' life flows. But it doesn't flow... Through our effort to try to be good Christians, it flows because we're trusting in him as the one who's living within us. And so this amazing thing that God promises once we get to the moon and he's come to live within us, in Ezekiel, he says, I'm going to put my spirit within you and I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes or to put it in New Testament terms, I'm going to cause you to trust me and to love one another. And so the cause agent very clearly is not us. It's not us trying as hard as we can to be believers. It's God as the cause agent saying, I'm going to be the one to cause you to do this. And how I'm going to cause you to do it is I'm actually going to come live within you. And so God is in the process of simply teaching us as we are open to it, to the reality that it's Christ living in us. And our role in this is simply faith to walk by faith. To trust him to be the one doing it and to make ourselves available to say, hey, I'm just your vessel. And I'll tell you how God really brought this home to me a while back, which was for so long, I lived the Christian life trying to pull it off myself, trying to be a better Christian. Okay, if I do one more spiritual discipline, maybe I'll get there. And finally, God brought home to me the reality of Christ in me in such a way that my mindset shifted to when I walk into a room, God just walked into that room. That's the reality. It's not to say I'm God. It's to agree with what he's saying, which is he is the one living in me. He's the one living through me. And so when I walk into the room, God just walked into the room. And so the question ceases being, what would Jesus do? Or how can I be like Jesus? The question now becomes, what is Jesus doing? And what does he want to do in this situation? Because he's the one living through me. And it seems like, okay, is that much of a difference? But when God makes it real to us, it makes all the difference because we stop trying to perform for God and we're simply available for him to live through and we're at rest and we're not striving and we know his peace, which is exactly what Jesus said. He said, hey, if you're worn out, come to me and I'll give you rest. If we are thinking of the Christian life as something that's burdensome, we're not living it the way God intended for us to. He has something better for us.
0: Oh, man, that's all so good. I can't wait to get the book. (laughs) Dan, that is so good. So I I think, am I right in hearing you say that Jesus did it all and finished it all?
1: Yes. It's amazing. (laughs) 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 When he said on the cross, it is finished. It's amazing. It was finished. And the church has done, by and large, a good job of communicating the message of it is finished. Your forgiveness is finished, and so if you put your trust in Christ, you're eternally forgiven. And unfortunately, that's kind of where most of the message stops. But Jesus accomplished so much more. There was so much more to what He accomplished in His death and resurrection than just our forgiveness. And so that's why I say in this illustration. Forgiveness is like stage one of the Saturn V rocket. It gets us off the ground. It doesn't get us into orbit. We need cleansing and a heart transplant for that. It doesn't get us headed toward the moon. God needs to write his own desires on our heart for that, which he does. And it doesn't cause us to land on the moon. God himself is the one who gets us landing on the moon because he comes to live within us and joins his spirit to our spirit so that we are one with him. And once we're one with him, then... It's amazing what he can accomplish through us, and the reality is, he's already done all this. Oh, that's ab- absolutely
0: right. You're b- preaching. My message was well, not my message. It's our message. It's his message. I I can see uh, uh, a postscript or a subtitle. Love you to the moon and back. (laughs) Signed, God. I like that. Uh, Yeah. Guys, there's so many things there. You started off, I think, with your first stage that sin is not an issue anymore. And I love conveying that to people. I found quite a bit of resistance to that, but I just love conveying it. And I think primarily the resistance is, is because many times what we've heard all our life, like maybe Every Sunday is, you know, you're a sinner, and uh, if you haven't done this sin yet, certainly you're going to, or somebody in your family is. And so, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to, you need to. Right. Uh, and just realizing that, uh, i mean, preaching in the choir here. I think most of our listeners are becoming more and more aware of this. I mean, if you just look at what's in Scripture, even in the Old Testament, Psalm you know, 103, I, I put your sins as far as the East and the West, and three times in Isaiah, I choose not to remember your sins anymore for my own sake. And then uh, John the Baptist said, you know, Jesus, Lamb of God, who's come to take away the sins of the world. and the uh, passage you referred to earlier, 2 Corinthians 5, not only are we new creations, but God the Father was in Christ Jesus at the cross, reconciling the entire world to him, not counting our sins against us. So since all of that is true, why the emphasis (laughs) on uh, sin? I I know why the emphasis is, but
1: it certainly doesn't need to be there. Well, one of the things I actually just put in this book that I've been working on is The question becomes, are we therefore taking sin lightly? And I think the response to that is, no, we're not taking sin lightly. What we're taking very seriously is everything that Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection. And when we take that very seriously and say, okay, let's look at the totality of what Christ accomplished, then we realize, hey, God has removed that. He's taken that issue off the table completely because He wanted to come live within us and join himself to us. And as Paul says in Galatians 5, he says, walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. He doesn't say, don't fulfill the desires of the flesh and therefore you'll be walking in the spirit. And so the emphasis is entirely on learn to walk in the spirit, which is to say, learn to walk in the reality that God himself is the one living in you and Christ is the one that's living through you. And as we learn to do that, amazingly, we find that we're not seeking to fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so it's not a matter of taking sin lightly. It's a matter of saying, us trying as hard as we can not to sin is not the way God ever intended this whole thing to work, because that doesn't ultimately work.
0: It absolutely doesn't work. I mean, I had a problem... And it can still rear its ugly head with anger, with just getting angry. And it rears its ugly head at the most inopportune times, you know. And, you know, I had a mentor who was really into uh, scripture memory, and, you know, he just stressed over and over again, just memorize these verses, you know, in, in James, like the anger of man is not compatible with the righteousness of God. That's a poor translation of it, but just, you know, so I, I memorized those verses and I'd get angry and I'd quote those verses. And then I'd get angry that I couldn't overcome my anger by quoting those verses, and finally, I got mad at somebody very close to me and said something hurtful, and I just immediately I just uh, I felt so bad, and I just went into another room. I got locked the door. I got by myself, and I said, "God, I can't do this. I've done everything I know to do. I've memorized the verses. I've done uh, everything I know to do, and I can't stop getting angry. If I'm going to overcome this, you're going to have to do it." Mm-hmm.
1: And he said. That's what I've been waiting on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a great story about this. I picked up one of my sons from the airport. He's eighteen. Just a couple of nights ago, and he was reading this manuscript I've been working on. He was reading it on the plane, flying back to Houston, and so he related the story to me. He, in my aisle, he said there was this boy that was like five or six or something. He says this was the worst behaved, most annoying, loudest child. I have ever heard on an airplane. And he said, I was just dying to do something to make him stop because I couldn't stand it. And he said, I'm sitting here reading your manuscript. And he said, finally, it dawned on me. He said, I said to myself, you know, responding in an angry or inappropriate or unloving way isn't even who I am. Why would I even want to do that in this situation? And so it's just like, yes, you you got it. And so he responds in love, not because he's trying hard, but rather he comes to the realization, hey, this isn't who Christ is in me, and this isn't who I am. Why would I even want to do that? And it's an amazingly freeing place to be.
0: Oh, it is. It's just so wonderful. I you've probably had this happen too, but you know, sometimes people say, Well, all the emphasis you put on grace, you're just telling people they can do whatever you want. And I said, well, give me an example of that. Well, like rob a bank. And I just say to him, well, do you want to rob a bank? Well, no, 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 of course not. Okay.
1: (laughs) And, And the great thing is, as we were talking about before, under his new arrangement with humanity, God puts his desires on our hearts. He says, I've written my law on your heart. And so, you know, his passions He has put on our heart. And so I really want to do the things that God wants me to do. And if I want to do something that is clearly not something God would want me to do, then I haven't dug deep enough and gotten in touch with what I really want, because those aren't the things I really want. Yeah.
0: I said so, too. I'm so excited about this new... I had no idea really what we would talk about in these two episodes, but the blessing of what you just went through in those five stages in the new book. You made my day, and I. when do you expect that to come out? When do you expect it to be available?
1: Uh, hopefully it will be available in the next month or two. Oh, really? Yeah, I was kind of on the fast track to being up on Amazon, so uh, we'll see. Really? If somebody just checks out my David Gregory authors page, hopefully by the end of September or so, God is for Teens will be up there.
0: Well, actually, these two episodes are going to run in September. So maybe the book will be out by the time people hear this. So please do look. That would be
1: fantastic. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, I'm becoming more aware every day that God is better than I thought the day before. And <laughs> I don't want that to ever end. I don't want that to ever stop. Boy, I'm getting Jesus bumps. I used to call them goosebumps, but I'm getting Jesus bumps just thinking about having the mindset that, well, I've got God all figured out. This is it. I can't learn anything more. I, <laughs> no, I, no. he just he reveals every day through a myriad of ways that what he did and his finished work at the cross and his goodness and grace and mercy. and uh, I mean, it's just we won't ever comprehend it all, let alone even probably a little part of it. But what we know now is really good, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, yes. And I agree with you. We'll come to know more and more
0: for sure. We're starting to get a little taste of the rest of the gospel. Exactly,
1: yes.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, David, this has been so fun for me and so wonderful. And I so thank you for taking the time and your schedule to do this and for telling us about your new book that's going to help even more people.
1: Well, I'm thrilled to be able to do this, and let's do it again sometime. Thank you. And tell people
0: once again how they can find out about you, about this new book, and the other things that you've written.
1: My website is simply davidgregorybooks.com, and anyone can get in touch with me by emailing me at david at davidgregorybooks.com. Cool. And I sure encourage people to do that. And
0: thank you again for being with us. And thank you for being uh, such an inspiration and encouragement and an impact on my life, first through your books and now through this time we've had together today. I really appreciate it. Well, great. That's a blessing. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening, for being with us for another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you,